you brought your copy of God's Word this morning, turn to Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, and we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 12, and then we're going to look at the book of Revelation chapter 21, and we're going to kindly tie these two together. Proverbs chapter 12, and then later we'll look at Revelation 21. Proverbs chapter 12, we want to look at one verse. Proverbs 12, and we'll look at verse 22. God's word says, Lying lips are abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. Notice that again. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But they that deal truly are his delight. Terry had asked me during the week what I'd be preaching this morning, and everything was kind of like pointing to uh, my hope and sharing the gospel and uh, focusing on reaching people. And, and so even last night, uh, we talked, just texted each other to see if everything was... Everything was still on, and at 10 o'clock it was, 10 p.m. But this morning, God woke me up at 1.30, and he changed my sermon. And I want to share with you about a sin that God hates. Now, God detests all sin. But the scripture says, that he literally hates lying lips. A lying tongue, Proverbs 6, verse 16. We live in a country today where lying or speaking the untruth has become the norm. It seems that people really today had, had rather lie than to tell the truth. We have spouses that lie to each other. We have children that lie to their parents and lie to their teachers and lie to their friends, think nothing of it. We have companies that lie about their products. I don't know if I'm the only one that purchases from time to time those as-seen-on-TV products. But uh, they're all not what they're cracked up to be. And for the past few weeks we have we've been made aware how politicians lie and even the highest office in our nation has been accused of lying and I heard one of the pundits on TV this week when confronted about a particular lie he simply referred to it as a political lie it's just a political lie I mean they all do it he said it's just a political lie, which seems to be a, a common acceptance and a, a common practice among all political parties. But let me tell you something. Whether a lie is coming from the White House or from your house, God hates lies. So first of all, tonight, uh, this morning, I want us to see where did lying originate? I mean, where did it all come from? Genesis chapter 3 gives the truth of the matter. 
If you remember, after God created the heaven and the earth, and He created man, and He created woman, He placed man and woman in the garden to watch after the garden. And then God gave man and woman some specific instructions found in Genesis 2, verse 16. Listen to what God says in verse 16 and 17. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou might eat, or they mayest eat freely, or thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou shalt eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So God says you're forbidden to eat of the tree that's in the center of the garden, and if you do, you're going to die. You're going to surely die. And then in Genesis chapter 3, we have this serpent that's introduced to the woman, and we all know that the serpent is the devil. And, and so notice he tempts the woman to eat of the forbidden tree. God had forbidden man or woman to eat of this tree. And so in Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. Serpent lied. Ye shall not surely die. So here's the point. The point is, a lie is a tool of the devil. The devil, the Bible says, is the father of all lies. And in Genesis 4, after Cain killed his brother Abel, God came to Cain and he said, Where's your brother? Verse 9 and Cain says, I know not, am I my brother's keeper? And so from the very beginning of creation, after sin came into the world, a main, sin, a main tool that the devil uses to tempt people is a lie. The lie. So just jot this down in the side of your Bible somewhere where you'll remember it is that a lie will bring destruction to your life. It did Adam and Eve, brought destruction. It did to Cain, brought destruction. So where did the line originate? It originated from the devil. The Bible says he's the father of all lies. But I jotted down number two, the judgment of the liar. Now, if you will, turn to Revelation 21, and we're going to see how serious God takes this thing that we think is not so serious, called lying. Revelation chapter 21, look at verse 7. Now, remember, God detests all sin, but He hates lying lips, and He hates a lying tongue. And one day, God is going to deal with all liars. You remember last week or week before last when the stenographer stood at the podium there in the voting chamber of Congress and she proclaimed God's judgment on us as a nation and for not being one nation under God? And the authorities came up to the podium and took her by the arm and they quickly removed her from the podium. And they carried her from there to a hospital to have a mental evaluation. And her husband said this. Her husband said, she's not crazy. She was moved by the Holy Spirit to say those words. 
Well, John sees a vision of a new heaven and a new earth. And he sees the holy city coming down out of heaven. And, John de- and God declares how he will dwell with his people and he will dwell with them and they'll be his people and he'll be their God. And then verse 4 talks about how God will wipe all the tears from their eyes. Verse 5 says how, he, in verse 5, God tells him to, to take and write. Notice that he says in the last part of that verse, he says, write for these words are true and faithful. God says, listen, all that I tell you to write are true and faithful. They're going to come about. These things are going to happen. And then in verse 7, he speaks and says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Now, he speaks about being an overcomer. He that overcometh. Overcome is a key phrase in the book of Revelation. It's found in chapter 2, verse 7, verse 11, verse 17, verse 26. It's found in chapter 3, verse 5, chapter 3, verse 12, verse 21. The Bible tells us that true believers are overcomers. Jot down 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Listen at verse 4 and 5. 1 John 5, verse 4 and 5. He says this. He says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. And so, all true believers are overcomers. I read recently about Dwight L. Moody. After the great Chicago fire in 1871, evangelist D.L. Moody went back to his house to kind of survey the ruins of his house. And and a friend came by and said, I hear you lost everything. And Moody said, well, you understood, Rome. He said, I have a good deal more left than I lost. He said, well, I didn't think you had that much to begin with. I didn't know that you were that rich. And Moody opened his Bible to Revelation 21, and he read verse 7, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I'll be his God, and he shall be my son. The overcometh, the overcomer, is that person who's trusted Jesus Christ. That's the result of, of being a child of God, you're, you're an overcomer. Now, however, you have the overcomer who has trusted Christ, but then you have a contrast in verse 7 with verse 8, and verse 8 describes the people who were overcame by sin. Look at verse 8 in Revelation chapter 21. Verse 8 says this, But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the saucers, the idolaters. And notice he says, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And so verse 8 describes the people who were overcomers by sin. They would not trust Christ. And so what is the reward? What's the judgment? What's the destiny? 
the difference and the destiny of, of the one who is an overcomer with God or the one who is the overcomer there in verse 8, people who are overcomers by sin. What's the difference in their destiny? The destiny is alarming. Verse 7, you have overcomers for God is in heaven. Verse 8, the overcomers for sin is in a lake of fire. You see, the world considers Christianity, or Christians, I should say, as losers. They laugh at us. They ridicule Christians. They persecute Christians. They treat Christians with disrespect. Even now, it's being talked about how our Christmas customs and celebrations are, are even now being denied. So the world considers the Christian as losers. But God gives warning that the unbeliever really is the true loser. Verse 8 lists some categories that will not be in heaven. He says, first, the fearful will not be there. The cowardly will not be there. Those who did not have the courage to stand for Christ. Matthew 32, Jesus talks about being courageous and taking a stand for him. Matthew 10, I'm sorry, verse 32, says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Those who do not have the courage to stand for Christ there and confess Christ as their Lord, their Savior in the workplace and in school and in universities, wherever it might be, the fearful. And then he includes the unbelieving, those who have never committed their life to Christ, those who have never been born again. And then he lists the abominable, those who are sexually perverted and have polluted their minds and their spirits and their body. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1, Paul admonishes us to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and to perfect holiness in the fear of God. Clean your life up, he says. No murderers will be in heaven. That's self-explanatory. Nor whoremongers shall be in heaven, those who are unfaithful to their marriage vows. We live in a society that says that's okay. There's no problem with that. No sorcerers, the spiritists, those involved in the occult or follow after the devil, the wizard, a person who engages in divination by consulting the spirits of the dead. Idolaters, those that worship themselves and worship this world, the things of this world. And then he ends that by saying all liars. The word all there simply means uh, it encompasses. It means everything, all liars, all types of liars, the whole amount of liars, all liars, those who tell little white lies, those who tell political lies, those who deceive, all liars. Now notice, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So here's the point. If you don't remember one thing I've said until now, please remember this.
God will hold you judgment for lying. There's no little lie. There's no small lie, no little white lie, no political lies, nothing to sneeze at. So first, when did lying originate? The devil himself at the very beginning, Genesis 3. The judgment of the liars, and I'm going to close with this, the repentance and the forgiveness of liars. Aren't you glad that God forgives? Amen. There's forgiveness for the liar. The Bible is full of godly people who lied, and God forgave them. Let me mention a few. Adam lied. If you remember, Adam said to God, well, I did this because of the woman that you gave me. That was a lie. Abraham lied to Pharaoh in Genesis 12 and said that Sarah, his wife, was his sister. Sarah lied to God when she found out that she would be the mother of a great nation. She, she laughed, and then she told God she didn't laugh. The sons of Jacob lied when they sowed Joseph, their brother. They came back, and Jacob said, where is your brother? And they began to, to sort out this thing, how he was eaten by animals. In the New Testament, in Acts chapter 5, you have where Ananias and Sapphira lied about the amount of money that they gave to the church. That's serious. Because God killed both of them for lying not to a man, the Scripture says. Why hast thou lied not unto men, but unto God? Peter lied after Jesus was crucified. If you remember, he ran out to an to a area outside the judgment hall, and, and there he began to warm himself by a fire, and a maiden came up to him and said, Hey, there's one of them. There's one of the twelve. And, and he said, I, I've never known this man. And three times, and then he heard a cock crow. Here's the point. You can experience the judgment and the wrath of God for lying. And you can experience the forgiveness of God. 1 John 1, 9 says this, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so you have lying originated with the devil. The liar one day will be judged. And then there's forgiveness awaiting for those who repent. Now, let me ask you a question. This morning, do you need to get serious with God about lying and ask God to forgive you for lying? Perhaps you thought it wasn't a big deal. Then all of a sudden, God's spoken to your heart today and you realize that it is a big deal, that God's serious about this thing called lying. Are you a believer this morning? Have you made a public profession of faith? Have you trusted Jesus Christ? Are you willing to confess him before men that he in turn will confess you before the Father which is in heaven? Are you willing to confess him this morning? Would you be willing to trust Christ and receive Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life? Here's the point. Lying lips is an abomination unto God and God will not hold anyone guiltless for lying. That's a lesson that we need to understand. We need to teach our children. We need 
to understand. Let's have a word of prayer together. Heavenly Father, I come to you at this time and I thank you for an opportunity we've had just to focus upon something that we really don't hear preached about often. And that is, uh, that's the sin of lying. And all through your word, you warn us about the consequence of lying. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, that each day that we might, as, as Christians, put on the belt of truth and and, Lord, that we would be willing to, to be truthful in everything that we say. And that we would have the integrity that we should have as your people. And I know, Father, that all of us, myself included, Lord, have in some way perhaps deceived or I've told that we've justified a white lie or a small lie, but you don't see it that way. And so, Lord, thank you for convicting us of our sin. And you tell us in your word that if we confess our sins, if we see our sins as you see them, and, Lord, we realize today what a terrible thing lying is, and that we, if we repent and turn from our sins, that you're faithful, you're just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all of our sins. And so, Father, I pray that you'll begin to examine our hearts, convict us, of the times that we have lied and have not been truthful, that we might confess those sins and turn from those and have that sin forgiven. Father, thank you for, for an opportunity we've had just to open your word this morning. Now, for those that are here who have never trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life, I pray they'll be willing today, Lord, to come and receive you into their life to be their Lord, their Savior and trust you and only you for salvation. Thank you for what you're going to do in our invitation time. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.